teach us what it means to experience that heavenly peace that only you can give. Through your Son, our Savior Jesus, the babe of Bethlehem, the Savior at the cross, the one who's coming again. In his name we pray, amen. Indeed, God's peace be with each one of you, friends. You may be uh, familiar with the true story of a father whose son had gone off to fight for the Union Army during the American Civil War. After months of camp fever, his son finally saw a battle, and he was seriously wounded in battle. The news of his son's wound came to the father on Christmas Eve, and being a poet, he sat down and expressed his anguish in a song. That poet was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and he wrote these words as he contemplated on that bleak Christmas morning, these words, and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. That is the third stanza of the well-known Christmas song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Hear the words again, and hear the anguish in the Father's voice. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. You can almost feel the pain pouring from the Father's heart. Where is this supposed peace on earth? Have you ever felt that way? Where is this peace on earth anyway? Maybe you're feeling that way these days, even as you sit here in worship this night. Well, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, four names are mentioned concerning the coming Messiah. Isaiah says he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That last one, Prince of Peace, of peace may be a bit difficult for us to embrace at times in our life. The idea of peace on earth may be as challenging to you today as it was to Henry Wadsworth Longfellow some 150 years ago. After all, we too seem to get mixed messages when it comes to peace. On the one side, Jesus is called the Prince of peace, and the angels proclaim peace on earth, goodwill to men. And on the other hand, we look around our world today and we easily conclude there is no peace on earth. The evidence seems to point to just the absence of peace as man's inhumanity to man grinds endlessly onward. Where is this peace on earth? So, how do we reconcile this? How do we deal with this reality that this world is rather unpeaceful? Well, we need to begin with our definition of peace. 
what is true peace? You know, here in North America, the term peace has been clearly connected with the absence of conflict. That's how we often define peace, the absence of conflict. In the 1960s and 70s, peaceniks protested the Vietnam War because that would mean there would be peace if war ended. Today, some pacifists want peace by ending the conflict in places like Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan. Peace is connected with quiet, with no conflict. It's almost as if we define peace by what it is not, namely war. If there's no war, there is peace. However, the word that is used in the Old Testament for peace is so much more than that in its fundamental understanding. The, the Old Testament word is shalom. Now, yes, shalom is used at times to describe the end of uh, hostilities. But the word is so much more than that. The word itself also pictures health and wholeness. Shalom denotes harmony and completeness, wholeness in the fullest sense of well-being, including wholeness in our relationships, especially in our relationship with God. So to have shalom is, is not only to have a quiet life, but it is to be, to be fulfilled in every way that God intends for us to experience fulfillment. So now we ask, how is Jesus the Prince of Peace? How is Jesus the Prince of Shalom? Well, in looking at how shalom is applied to Jesus in the Scriptures, we see at least three distinct ways that Jesus fulfills this title that Isaiah gives him, Prince of Peace. First of all, Jesus is the one who makes peace between God and people. I mean, let's be real clear of the reality of our condition, friends. Sin separates people from God. In fact, worse than that, our sin has made us enemies of God. We come into this world with this radical self-centeredness called a sinful nature that separates us from God and even makes us anti-God, enemies of God. And what's worse is we can't do anything about that ourselves. Peace is only possible when sin is dealt with and we can't remove our own sin. We can't make ourselves right with God. We can't make peace, but Jesus did it for us. That's what Isaiah gets at in his writing 700 years before the Savior was even born. In chapter 53, he writes, Surely he, that is the promised Messiah, whom we know as Jesus, he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And catch this, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, 
we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was the punishment of the Messiah that brought us peace. You know, back in the 1960s and the 70s, the peace sign looked like this. I was putting together a jigsaw puzzle. I just finished it last night. It's of 32 different faces of Volkswagen buses. And the one in the lower left-hand corner, in the, instead of the VW insignia on the front of it, it had the peace sign. That was pretty common back in the 60s. This was the peace sign then. But the real peace sign looks like this. It has that vertical bar, you see, that indicates that God came down into this world and made peace with us in Jesus Christ. He restored this relationship that we now have with him by the death of Jesus. And because we have that relationship, we also have this one where we are now at peace with one another. And that's only possible because Jesus made peace for us as the Prince of Peace. Paul writes about this in that fifth chapter of Romans. I'm going to expand on the earlier reading, if you'll allow me to. I'm going to go all the way to verse 11. Listen to what Paul says about what Jesus did for us. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice, get this, in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Now catch this line. For if when we were God's enemies, there it is, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Basically, Paul there is saying that Jesus has changed us from enemies of God into friends of God. He has reconciled us to himself, and therefore we are at peace with God. So Jesus is the prince of peace, first of all, because he makes peace between God and people, true, real shalom. Secondly, he, meet, he meets that title that Isaiah gave him, prince of peace, because he makes peace in this life possible because of his saving work and his love for us. He makes real peace possible in our daily experience. In other words, through Jesus, we can experience peace in our daily living even when things are going crazy around us. We can have an internal peace that only he can give us. 
In John 16, Jesus' words are written this way. I have told you these things, he said, so that in me you may have, and I'm convinced Jesus said, shalom. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let me ask you, what kind of trouble are you having these days? What kind of things seem to be spinning out of control around you? What sort of unrest is camping outside your front door, threatening to push its way inside your world and take over your heart and soul? What kind of trouble do you face? In John 14, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, through faith in Jesus, we can be at peace on the inside even when crises and, and conflicts and unrest are swirling all around us. We can be at peace because Jesus makes that possible. And yes, we can even rejoice. That's what Paul says to the Philippians in chapter 4 of his letter to them. He says, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. No, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, catch that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is the Prince of Peace also because he makes peace in this life possible through his love for you. And then thirdly, Jesus meets the qualification of being prince of peace because he established the kind of peace that lasts forever. You know, so much of what we experience in life is temporary. Isn't it true? Here today, gone tomorrow, you get that brand new toy at Christmas and in six weeks, it's, it's broken or dented or scratched or whatever. And that's just a small example. Everything in life is temporary. Here today, gone tomorrow. But here again, the words of Isaiah in chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now catch the next verse. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know, people today seek peace in a variety of ways. They seek peace through money and wealth, through uh, power and status, through health and fitness, through friendships and relationships, family. And of course, all of these are blessings from God, ultimately. But if you think about it, all of them are temporary. 
None of these bring real and lasting peace in and of themselves. For real and lasting eternal peace is only found through faith in Jesus Christ, who gave his life on a cross that we might have life everlasting. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow did find peace through his faith in God, his loving Savior. And he expressed this in a later stanza of that same poem. Listen to the words. He writes, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Friends, this Advent season, may Jesus, the Prince of Peace, give you what only he can give. Shalom. Amen. And may the peace of God that passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your Prince of Peace. Amen.